Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. Uh, But the truth is the truth. And we know God loves us through all of it. And it's great to celebrate and to, to share with one another the joy as well as the sorrow. We walk together, don't we? We don't walk alone. I, I hope you know that. You don't walk alone. If you feel like you've been walking alone, I encourage you to stop a minute and say, why am I by myself? Because there are others here who would walk alongside you. And would encourage you and walk with you. We're going to talk some about that this morning. We're in Romans chapter 15. We're going to read the first 19, or nine verses, I'm sorry. The first nine verses. Um, and I would ask you to do me a favor uh, through worship uh, until we get to the sermon. Just kind of look around you and think about what attributes of the people around you really are special. What, what do you see about them that's, that's special? So if you don't know anybody around you, uh, you know, just watch them. Maybe the, a good smile or maybe their hair looks nicer. Uh, but, but look around. Sometimes you'll know the person near you and you might be able to come up with something special about them. Uh, want us to think about what's, what's the best? What's the best in us? Uh, in us as, as the body of believers? Uh, Romans chapter 15, beginning with verse 1. Paul writes, we who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please his neighbor for his good, to build him up. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through endurance and encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus, so that with one heart and mouth you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth to confirm the promises made to the patriarchs so that the Gentiles may glorify God for his mercy as it is written. Therefore, I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing hymns to your name. May God add God's blessing to the reading. and Gather and celebrate and hold one another for a chance to open our minds and our hearts to you. And Lord, as we open your word and begin to think through and discuss the things that are important to you, may we hear your voice. May they become important to us, and may they transform us. I thank you, Lord, for this opportunity, and I ask that you would speak through me, though I'm unworthy except by your grace. We gather in you, Lord Jesus, and we look to you, and we listen for you, and we pray these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So you had a chance to think a little bit about uh, the people around you. Can anybody give me uh, some a- uh, attribute or something about a person around you that you really appreciate, that really stands out? Neil, silly. All right. It's good sometimes to be silly, isn't it? Uh, just kind of be silly before uh, the Lord and, and just be ourselves. And some of us are really silly. Anybody else? Yes, Ed. A lot of good cooks. Ah, yes. We see where Ed thinks most of the time. Yes, Brian. 
There for you when you need them. Yeah, that's a great attribute. Yes, Vonda. Perseverance. Yes, another great attribute. Yeah, Matthew. Great planner. Yeah, that's always good to have those. I, that's one of the things you wouldn't see in me. <laughs> yeah, Larry. A loving heart. Yes, yeah. How about in the balcony? What do you see? Unbelievable strength. Yes, anything else up there? Come on, there's a lot of people up there. They're quiet. <laughs> They're a quiet group up there. Um, anyone else, real quickly? Nope. Okay, one more. Yeah. Faithful. Glenn says faithful, yes. Uh, this morning, um, uh, as, as I was looking at this passage and thinking about um, where we were headed, I, uh, I, I was thinking about cloning. And, and this is Molly, uh, who was cloned. You, you know, and of course, Dolly. Dolly, Molly. The other one was Molly, one was Dolly. I don't know. <laughs> You're right. They were, they were Dolly, right? And uh, <clears throat> Dolly was cloned. And uh, that, of course, opens all kinds of ethical questions. And um, I started thinking about that, uh, not ethically or morally, but I, I started thinking about, well, what if I were cloned? Um, or, or other people I know were cloned. Yeah, and all of a sudden, this got to be kind of a scary sermon right off the get-go. Uh, although, I, I thought, you know, if I were cloned, I would hope that uh, the best of me uh, would, would show you know, so if there were more than one of me, I would hope that the best parts of me would be cloned and, and that those negative parts, those bad parts, would kind of just disappear somehow. Um, and, and so, I, you know, I was thinking, you know, if only I could, I could judge, you know, the good parts and not the bad parts. Um, of course, you can't do that, can you? You can't, uh, when, when you clone yourself, you clone yourself. I mean, you, you get the good and the bad. Uh, and then I started asking myself, well, what are the good parts that I'd want to see in another me? Well, what kind of things would I like to see in that? I mean, what, what are my, what's my good side? Uh, or my good side, as the case may be. Uh, what would I want others to look like if they looked like me? And really, that's what we're about, isn't it? trying to encourage others to look like us. Not those bad parts of us, but the good parts of us. We, uh, we, we've been talking about uh, what we're about here at Greenfield. And, and of course, we're, we feel we're called to be neighbors, make neighbors, and build God's neighborhood. And last week we talked about what it, what it looks like to be a neighbor, and we noticed that Paul kind of opened that up for us in the book of Romans. And I, I believe Paul does the same for us when it comes to making neighbors. Um, what's it look like to make a neighbor, uh, to look like a neighbor? Jesus told us, right, to go and make disciples of all nations. That, that's what he calls us to do. And that's really what we mean by making neighbors, making disciples, making those who look like us. Now, you can't do that if you're not already a neighbor. You can't make someone else a neighbor. If you're not already a disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ, you can't get someone else to follow Jesus Christ. If you're not doing it, no one else is going to believe you. It's like with anything else, right? If I tell you this pew will hold you, and you say, oh yeah? 
I don't see you sitting on it. And I say, oh, but it'll hold you. I guarantee you it'll hold you. Really? Will it hold you? And of course, they're looking at me and recognizing if it holds me, it'll hold them. And they won't sit on it until I sit on it. If they're smart. The same is true with following Jesus. If we're not following Jesus, we can't expect to encourage other people to follow Jesus. It's not going to happen. They're going to say, well, you don't follow Jesus in your life. Why should I follow Jesus in my life? If we're going to clone people, if we're going to make disciples, if we're going to make neighbors, then we need to be about living as neighbors. And that's where it all begins. So what are those parts of you that you want to instill in someone else? What, what do you want them to see in you that would draw them to Jesus and, and make them decide to follow? The Apostle Paul, he was amazing. He said this, therefore I urge you to imitate me. Can you say that? Could you go to someone else in the sanctuary this morning and say, hey, listen, I've been praying for you. I want you to know all you got to do is imitate me. You laugh. Yeah. Uh, wow. Could you do that this morning? Or, or would you have to say, no, you, don't imitate me. Follow somebody else. I, imitate someone else. Are you able to say, hey, I want you to follow Jesus like I'm following Jesus? Now, of course, the Apostle Paul says imitate me because he says I am imitating Christ. So if we're going to make neighbors, if we're going to duplicate neighbors is the way I put it, if we're going to clone ourselves, then then we need to be living in Christ. And and that's where it all begins. But I believe there are things we can do to help us connect with one another and begin to duplicate our neighbors. So what does that look like in your life? What does that look like for us? Well, the Apostle Paul says we should... uh, we should build the body. <laughs> and, you know, uh, Paulie's been working hard. You know, he's there in his shirt there. You can't see it. Uh, but, uh, you know, he's been working out real hard lately. Actually, that, that was the only picture I could find on my hard drive of someone in the church. <laughs> so Paulie got the call. Uh, <laughs> if, you, if you really want to make neighbors, you have to be building the body. You have to be working in the body and building the body up. Now, uh, I've been working on my body, um, and my doctor asked me, he said, how's your diet? I said, great. I eat well. <laughs> uh, he's, he kind of shook his head. I think he knows me well enough that he didn't say, I don't want to know what that means. Um, but that's not the type of building we need, right? Uh, if we really want to build our bodies physically, uh, the interesting thing about building your body physically is it takes sacrifice doesn't it? Now, now when you're young, you don't get it because it doesn't take as much sacrifice when you're young because it seems like when you're young, I mean, I ate everything under the sun when I was a kid and I, I couldn't gain a pound. Uh, I, was, I was like 110 pounds for a gazillion years, six foot three and 110 pounds soaking wet and, and I couldn't gain a pound. I, I could eat till I was stuffed and I couldn't gain a pound. I don't have that problem anymore. 
Uh, now I look at food. Uh, so it takes more sacrifice. The older you are, the more sacrifice it takes to build your body. You have to work harder at it. Uh, you know, just, just lifting weights once in a while doesn't do it anymore. I used to, when I was in seminary, we used to get together, a bunch of us, and we'd lift weights. And, and we kind of held each other accountable, which meant I lifted weights at least once a month. I felt good. Uh, now, now that I'm older, those muscles don't work the same way. And it takes more from me to, to make that body build up. Sometimes we think that, that the more mature we become in Christ, the easier it gets. Like, like somehow, because I'm more mature in Christ, I, I'm able to, to rise above uh, the struggles and the trials of life, but also the struggles and trials of the community of faith. And so I come to worship, but what I discover is the more mature I get in Christ, uh, the more I struggle with the body of Christ and having to encourage them and work harder at helping them and letting them know it's worth, it's worth it. Polly Bartlett will tell you, man, that body doesn't come just by, just by Photoshop. <laughs> Or maybe it did this time. Uh, but it takes sacrifice, doesn't it? Personal sacrifice. You see, if you're going to disciple someone else, if you're going to make a neighbor of someone else, if you're going to duplicate a neighbor, it's going to take sacrifice on your part. In other words, if you really want to encourage someone else in the faith, that means you're going to have to put effort into connecting with that person encouraging that person. You're going to have to pray with that person. You're going to have to connect with that person on a regular basis. Once every year doesn't count. I saw him at Christmas. It's good. It means you're going to have to take yourself and pour yourself into somebody else. Offer yourself to someone else. The Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthians church. They, they were, there were some struggles in the Corinthians church about whether you could eat food sacrificed to idols. And, and some people were all puffy about, well, I can do it and it doesn't bother me at all. And other people were like, well, every time I eat it, all I can think of is the sacrifice. And, and Paul was trying to get them to see that if you're going to work together, if you're going to build the body, then you have to say, however much you know doesn't matter. What really matters is do you love that other person? In other words, are you willing to sacrifice your freedom hey, I can eat whatever I want, and instead say, I won't eat this, especially in front of my, my brother in Christ, because I know it bothers them. They're important enough to me. I, I want to build the body so desperately that I don't want to influence them negatively. You see, I want them to see my best parts and use my best parts in their life. I want to pour myself into them. And, of course, the greatest example of that um, is Jesus, right? What did Jesus do? Jesus loved you so much that he began to pour himself into you even before you were born. He began to work in your life before you were born. He knew you in your, your mother's womb. He knew who you were. He knew all that you were about. He was fashioning you in your mother's womb. And then you were born. And Jesus celebrated your birth. 
And he was all excited about the fact that this human being that he had formed, that he had fashioned, has now been given life. And he breathed into your lungs, and you became a living being. It was awesome. And no matter how your parents thought about it, it was a wonderful moment. And Jesus watched you as you struggled and began to grow. And then he watched you begin to fall away. Oh, he knew, it was, he knew it would happen. But you know what? He loved you anyway. He was willing to love you even when you got to your ugliest moment. And maybe you haven't gotten there yet. I, I hope you have. He loved you when you were the furthest from him. He loved you so much that when you were the furthest from him, he, he made sure that his sacrifice, his death would cover all, those, all that ugliness in your life. He loved you that much. He loves you that much. And you see, he began to pour himself into you. And he began to encourage you. And he began to walk with you. And he began to challenge you. And he began to put roadblocks in your way. And maybe for the first time this morning, he brought you into worship. And you may be sitting there saying, I don't know how I got here, but here I am. And I want you to know, it's not by chance that you're here. Jesus called you here. He was pouring his life into you because he loves you that much. And he continues to share that love with you and pour that love into your life. And if you feel unloved today, I want you to know it's not true. That's the world, that's Satan trying to tell you that nobody loves you because Jesus loves you so much that he was willing to pour his life into you so that you could have not just life, but life abundant And he does that because his heart is set on you. Isn't that amazing? That's the God we serve. That's the Lord Jesus who came to make a difference in our lives. He came to make us neighbors. And if we're neighbors, our job is to pour our lives into each other. Not just to live for ourselves. What was it Paul said here? Don't live to please yourself, but live to please your who? Your neighbor. Wow. That's a scary thought. What would that look like? If you were willing to pour yourself into one other person, what would it look like if your desire was to please them so that they would know the love of Christ, so that they would see the best of Christ in you, so that they could become a duplicate neighbor in your life? So we need to work for the good, and we we need to work for each other, and we need to open our lives to each other, um, and and we need to build each other up, build the body, involve ourselves in each other. The second thing is we need to encourage one another, and I I really want to spend some time on that this morning. Uh, The word encourage in the Greek is um, periklesis, and you may have heard that before if you've ever been connected with people talking about the Greek language, um, because the Holy Spirit is known as the paraclete. That's, what it, that's the word in, in uh, Greek, paraclete, the Holy Spirit. Think about what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit comes to encourage us, 
The Holy Spirit comes to challenge us. The Holy Spirit comes to comfort us. The Holy Spirit comes to exhort us. The Holy Spirit comes to console us. And all those words are used in the Greek for the word, or in the English, for the word paraklesis. So when you see the word encourage, I want you to understand, it doesn't just mean rah, rah, rah. It means sometimes you have to go to someone and say, hey, what are you doing? It means sometimes you have to go to someone and say, hey, look, the Holy Spirit is working here. Why aren't you doing anything? I see you sitting in the pew. The Holy Spirit has things for you to do. He wants to transform your life, and you're just sitting there. Join us. Get on board. Sometimes the Holy Spirit comes to us, and sometimes God calls us to other people to just sit alongside them. Because there's nothing to say. You know what I'm talking about. I did that yesterday with Bob and, and um, Mel. Um, just, just came alongside. There's nothing you can say. But you can be there. Let them know they're loved. You see, when, when the Holy Spirit, and when Paul writes the words, encourage, it means so much more than just rah, rah, rah. But it does mean rah, rah, rah. Anybody remember this guy? Uh, in the Olympics, there was a, a swimmer from Hungary, and she actually won a gold medal. But the most fun was to watch her coach slash husband. And this guy was so into the race. I mean, this is during the race. This is the way, the way he responded. He's watching. He's encouraging. He's yelling. He's screaming. He's jumping up and down. He's all over the place. And the press loved it. I mean, you know, the NBC was on him all the time, every time she was racing. Because it was exciting to see. He poured everything he had into her race. When she lost, he lost. When she won, he won. She did all the work. He just encouraged her all the way. That's great. That's making a neighbor. When you come alongside someone, you encourage them, you scream for them. When they hurt, you hurt. When they celebrate, you celebrate. When was the last time you were so connected to somebody else that when they hurt, you hurt. And when they celebrated, you celebrated. And you walked alongside every step of the way. You wanted them to win the race. That's being a neighbor. That's making neighbors. That's showing someone else how it's done and going with them all the way. And it's frustrating. You ever coach a hockey team? I did. It's frustrating. Because you tell them what they're supposed to do. And you get all excited because they go out on the ice. And then you watch and you go, what are they doing? They come back to the bench and you say, what are you doing? And they say, well, we thought it'd be a great idea to. Yeah, that's why we're down by five goals. I like your ideas. Maybe we could try something different. And, and you encourage them again. You can do that. I know you can do this. They go back out on the ice. They do the same stupid thing. And they come back out the like, you can do this. And you keep it up and you keep it up. You know, every time I did that, all I could think of was this is what Jesus does with me every stinking time. Because I go out on the ice and I fall flat on my face. I can't stand up. And, and, you know, I'm supposed to be in the middle of the game and I find myself standing off in the corner, you know, trying to figure out which way I need to go. And, and I get back to the bench on Sunday morning and Jesus comes up to me and he says, yeah, that was a mess. 
I said, thank you, Jesus. You're right. Yeah, it was a mess. So that's okay. Get back up. We're going to do this again. Because I know you can do this. And if you have a neighbor, your neighbor comes up to you and says, tough week, huh? You say, yeah. And they look at you and say, yeah, some weeks are tough. But Jesus is going to walk with us again this week. We can do this. And you encourage one another. And sometimes you have to go up. Sometimes, sometimes I come in Sunday morning and say, hey, God, God, that was a great week, wasn't it? And Jesus says, yeah, it was great, except for, oh, you noticed that, huh, Jesus? <laughs> I, I, I didn't think you really saw that one. <laughs> he says, yeah, I, I saw that. And sometimes when we have a relationship with a neighbor, when we're making a neighbor, we can say, hey, look, I saw something. And it concerns me. Are you okay? Notice how I said that. Um, some people come alongside and they say, hey, God told me to tell you that you're, you're a mess and you need to straighten this out. Um, now, if God tells you to tell me that, you need to know my first response will be, that's funny, I've been talking with God all morning and he didn't say it to me. Or I'll say, yeah, I heard that. <laughs> um, so we need to be careful how we talk to one another, don't we? Uh, an encourager doesn't come along. I mean, a good coach, when you get off the ice, they don't say, well, that was the stupidest play I ever saw, and I, I think you guys are a mess. You're never going to win, ever. That's not a good coach. A good coach. I, I had a coach in baseball when I was a kid. I loved him. He, he always said, when we came back to, to the bench, he'd say, well, <clears throat> that was dumb baseball. Now, he didn't say, you were dumb. He said, that was dumb baseball. And then he'd say, we can play better than that. And you'd say, yeah, we can play better than that. That's an encourager. We need to be encouraging one another. God is the greatest encourager. You know what God offers us? God believes so much in us. This blows me away. Because when I think of God, I think of God so much better than I am. He is just so awesome. But this is what he says. Be holy because I am holy. He believes that we can be holy. God actually believes that. That we can have relationships that are positive. That we can leave, live lives that glorify his name. That we can actually be all that he wants. He believes we can do that. And every time you come to worship, I hope you hear Jesus speak to your voice, to your ear again. And say to you, listen, I know you can do it. Hang in there. I'm going to walk with you. If you walk with me. He believes that we can be holy. That blows me away because usually when I look at my life, I see how far I am from that. When Jesus looks at my life, he sees how much closer I am than I was 15 years ago. I hope that's true for you. We need to encourage one another. We need to walk alongside each other. We need to be what Christ has called us to be in our lives. We need to be making neighbors, guiding each other, encouraging one another. We need to be encouraging. Finally, lastly, um, the Apostle Paul begins to talk about being united. And this is probably the biggest struggle in any uh, fellowship of believers. And it certainly was in Rome. You see, Rome had a big problem. They had Jewish Christians and they had Gentile Christians. And, And that's always a problem. Uh, because the Jewish Christians had one pers- 
perspective on what it meant to follow Jesus. And the Gentile Christians had a different perspective on what it meant to follow Jesus. And, and quite frankly, it's not much different than today. You see, I meet, I meet Democratic Christians and, and I meet Republican Christians. And some rec- Republican Christians tell me that you can't be a Democrat and be a a Christian. And then I have some Democrat Christians tell me you can't be a Republican and be a Christian. And, and I, I see it on Facebook all the time. I don't know if, you, if you're on Facebook, you may have seen some of that. I have friends who are Democrats and friends that are Republicans. And so I, I get it from both sides. And I sit there and I say, well, how about a libertarian? Can you be a Christian or, or, or a Green Party? Is there some other? Uh, no, the fact of the matter is following Christ is following Christ. And loving one another. And the biggest problem by when you start pointing the finger at the other, whichever side you're on, at the other denomination, uh, <laughs> I almost said denomination. <laughs> wow. <laughs> the other party, when you start pointing the finger, what you're saying is they can't be a part of us. And if they can't be a part of you, then how can you really love one another? And do you really love one another? The scripture says we're called to love one another. That if we are followers of Jesus Christ, that is what we do. We really love one another. No matter what your philosophy, no matter what pattern of thought you have, we love you. There's a church in Los Angeles called Mosaic. And and I I listen to the podcast often. And I I almost hesitate to tell you because the guy is awesome. And you may never listen to my podcast again if if you listen. But Erwin McManus is filled with the Spirit of God. And just an awesome, uh, awesome leader and... um, interpreter of the faith and and in his church they have a lot of atheists (laughs) which i think is kind of odd atheists in church you know why they come to church because when they come there it's safe to ask their questions and they truly are loved isn't that interesting i often wonder how an atheist would feel walking into our congregation would they feel loved What about a prostitute? What if a prostitute showed up? Would they feel loved? What about Donald Trump? No. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, are we really working for the unity of the Spirit in love? Uh, would someone reach out to them and be willing to make them a neighbor? That's what Jesus did. That's why Jesus got in all kinds of trouble, didn't he? He hung out with the wrong side all the time. Tax collectors, sinners. He uh, came to, to those who were uh, what would seem to us farthest from the kingdom. And he loved them. And he made a difference in their lives. When you run into someone who is farthest from the kingdom, that person at school that just drives you nuts, that person at work that that scares you for whatever reason. Or even that person at home that, that maybe challenges the fact that you're here this morning. Can you really love them? That perhaps you could make them a neighbor? We don't have time for the rest. The Apostle Paul talks about being one heart, which is the love, and one voice, which is glorifying God. And, and I just want to challenge you this morning. You see, Jesus calls us to make disciples. We, say, we call it making neighbors. Same difference. And I want to challenge you to find one person to pour your life into. One person. 
to share your faith in such a way that you would be able to encourage them, challenge them. Just one person. I'm not asking you to find 12 or 6 or 45. And and I'll tell you what, you cannot disciple the whole church, okay? I can't disciple the whole church. So I know you can't. You can pick one person to pour your life into. And if each person here picked one person to pour their lives into, then this church would grow by duplicate. There would be twice as many neighbors here because we were willing to truly disciple somebody else. So my challenge to you this morning is, first of all, do you have that relationship with Jesus Christ that you could walk with somebody else and show them his love? And if you don't, I'm going to ask you this morning just to open your heart and say, hey, listen, Jesus, I don't know uh, where I stand with you, and I, I really want to have that relationship. I want to be loved like the pastor talked about. And I know Jesus already loves you. All you have to do is open your heart to him, and this morning he'll show you his love in some way. I believe that. If you're walking with Jesus, I want you to think about all the positive things that come with walking with Jesus, and I encourage you to find one other person to pour your life into and say, hey, would you walk with me as I walk with Jesus? And don't come to him and say, you know, I've been looking at you, and I know you're less mature than I am, so I'm going to, no, that's not how this works. As a matter of fact, you may find someone more mature than yourself, and as you walk together, you'll find that iron sharpens iron, and it's awesome. But we need to be about not just talking about making neighbors, but making neighbors. Find one and see what God does. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you for a chance to be in worship this morning, to be together and to celebrate your love. Lord, we come from many different directions. and Thank you that you've called us here together to follow you and to be encouraged by you to be challenged by you. And Lord, we've heard your challenge today to be neighbors that that others would want to be like and then to find someone to bring alongside. Help us, Lord Jesus, to, to connect, to connect with one another here, but also to those who are on the fringes and those who are on the outside. Help us to be more like you that others would be able to see you in us. Thank you for changing us. Open us now as we come to this time of invitation. May we respond. May we follow you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.